Just before we get into today's episode, I want to cast your ears over here to this promo for a few minutes and explain why you might be missing out if you're not using Adobe Express. You've heard of Adobe, right? The chaps that brought you Illustrator, InDesign, and who hasn't been asked? Has this been photoshopped? Adobe is a household name. But have you heard of Adobe Express? I hadn't until the back end of last year, and then, well, I did. Now, I'm not saying that in a few years' time, people will be asking you, where were you when you discovered Adobe Express? But they may ask why you didn't start using it sooner. Using Adobe Express allows endless opportunities to scale up your creatives and improve your efficiency and productivity, as well as anything I've seen or used. Creating and editing all your creative output with more customizable templates than a Rubik's Cube has variations. Well, all right, maybe not 43 quadrillion, but you get the idea. And that is just your basics. It's the funky little features that make a difference. Removing backgrounds from videos and images, resizing them, converting files, QR code generation, and animating your audio are all options that come in really useful and stop you scratching around over multiple apps to resolve simple issues. If you don't want to miss out on any of this, use one of the links in the show notes that will take you to a free trial of Adobe Express. Or why not supersize it and trial the complete Adobe Creative Cloud package, which includes Adobe Express, as you'd imagine. Oh yeah, bonus point. If you're already a Creative Cloud user, Adobe Express is right there waiting for you. Now let's do it. The lighting wasn't right. The heating didn't really work. People didn't know where the light switches were. The ventilation wasn't working properly because it was so open plan. The noise was so distracting for quite a lot of people. They haven't checked people's working preferences. There were no quiet zones. There were no meeting rooms for staff. There's all these different things that are actively fighting against all the excellent work that they were trying to do in terms of looking after their staff because they hadn't Mm. considered how the building affects it. Welcome to Construction Disrupted, the ultimate podcast for the construction industry, exploring the limitless possibilities at the dynamic intersection of construction and technology. Wow, that's a mouthful. Delve into the latest topics, news, events, expert insights, and marketing that are shaping the industry right now and in the future. We'll hopefully sprinkle a little bit of humor in there for you as well. I'm your guide, Peter Sumpton, and I run a construction technology marketing agency, Build Different. If you're ready to embrace disruption and unlock the potential of the construction industry, keep on listening and be part of the conversation that's reshaping the future of construction. If you're not, uh, I really wouldn't bother. It's, it's probably not going to be that interesting for you. Whether you're a construction technology professional or just part of the construction industry in general. This podcast is your go-to resource for staying informed, inspired, and of course, connected. Speaking of connected, the best way you can help to support this podcast is by sharing it far and wide and leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Right then, let's go and build different and get disruptive. 
When it comes to our own physical and mental health, it's always a good idea to engage and talk to others about what we should be doing, who can help us, and what steps we need to take to achieve our overall goals. And they can be massively different dependent on the type of person you are. Buildings don't have that luxury. Well, that was a step change I didn't see coming. They rely on us to build them and keep them upright in shape and keep them healthy. But these buildings and our surrounding environments have a huge impact on us, both mentally and physical, regardless of our age and ability. That's where the connection is. We hear a lot about how we build, maintain and demolish our buildings, but not a lot about how these structures and the way they are built and maintained can help or hinder us. This is crazy when you think about the amount of time we spend in them, be it working, eating, sleeping or relaxing. From the air quality, lighting, noise, moisture, heating, ventilation and safety, there is much to be considered in the makeup of a healthy building. So let's chat to someone who knows about this kind of stuff. Becky Valentine is one of East Midlands leading sustainability and building health consultants, supporting and advising businesses, schools and charities in improving their sustainability, well-being and performance. Becky is the co-owner of Spenbeck with over 10 years experience in sustainability and building health, helping a range of clients embed sustainability and climate change mitigation across their operations, with particular expertise on governance, culture, policy to optimize engagement, and achieve ESG targets. Complemented by her former teaching career and current role as Associate Lecturer in Sustainability at Nottingham Trent University, Becky's expertise is repeatedly sought after for high-profile expert panels, keynote speeches, featured articles, podcasts, yes, <laughs> and, uh, and, and going back to those featured articles, um, she's worked with people like UN Global Compact UK Network and UK Construction Week. Becky, did I miss anything off that intro? And welcome. Uh, welcome. Thank you. And no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Delighted for you to, to be here. This will be really cool chatting to you. So let's get stuck in. And there's a little bit of a, a long preamble to this, but we'll, we'll get there in the end. So let's kick off with so many people are returning to the office over the last 18 to, to 24 months, or at least that's the kind of prerequisite for working now, more of a hybrid model. And because of that, I don't think there's ever been such a focus on health and well-being within the workspace. And one element that plays a big part of that is obviously the building itself. Sustainability, health and well-being agendas have led to the emergence of a more holistic, human-centered approach to design and made health and well-being increasingly influential in not only returning to a workspace, but choosing an employer or career path itself that influential. From the types of materials for the fixtures and fittings to the building's performance in air quality, acoustics and natural lighting, for example, all impact on our relationships with our own built environment, which can be lengthened to our own spaces at home, work and and home, I would say, are, are the main buildings we reside in. So with this in mind, I'd first like to dig a little deeper into the importance of this type of building health. I think it's fundamental to our 
safety and security at work and at home. We tend not to think about the building in which we're in. We walk in, we work, or we live, or we shop, and we leave. Um, bear in mind, we spend 90% of our time indoors. We, I just don't think there's enough conversation and awareness about the the vital role the building itself and how the building performs plays in how we operate inside, be it from our mental and physical well-being, from our almost our motivation to work, our motivation to be there. Um, and I think it's it's a bizarre one because the the field of building health really came out of sick building syndrome in the 80s. So you know, sort of 40 odd years later, it's it's huge in academic circles. The research has been there for 40 years. It doesn't translate um, widely. Um, which is a real surprise. But I think what, mm. what what shifted the dial with so many things was COVID and actually having an awareness of what happens in the buildings, particularly around ventilation. As you, you mentioned, a range of building mm. health um, foundations there. But mm. we just feel, I feel we start to be slightly more aware of what the building itself is doing to us and, and the environment within the building, which can only be a positive thing. Yeah, yeah. What what did you mention there about the the eighties? Building sickness or something? Yes, yeah, a sick building syndrome. Um, <laughs> What's that? Yeah, well, that that is how the the building makes you unwell. So things like damp, we, wow. we know damp, cold, uh, inflamed asthma, um, those with other breathing difficulties. We know that we we've always known that how the building performs impacts people but it's never translated into the mainstream. Um, mm. it, it's all out there in plain sight. Um, and I'm just passionate about, on a corporate level, there's there's um, the Well Programme, FitWell, um, Briam in terms of sort of the construction side, which involves building house, but that feels mm. very corporate. It's quite a, when it's done in, through those programmes, it, it is quite expensive. Uh, it's worth mm. it, obviously. Say that but you know it is quite expensive what i'm passionate about is taking the principles of building health and applying it to everybody particularly when you are responsible as you said for people who work from home and now people are hybriding more in a lot of sectors it's mm. important for people to understand how working from home is impacting us just as much as it is when we go into the office see i didn't realize it was it was as high as 90 percent in indoors but i suppose that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because if you if you consider sleeping and and like you said, shopping or fitness and work and social, the majority is indoors, isn't it? I, I, I it never crossed my mind that it'd be high, as high as that. I know, and and getting to the fundamentals of building health that completely disconnects who we are as animals in the natural world mm -hmm. to what we ourselves in. You know, we we think we're intelligent as humans our bodies are physiologically neurologically programmed to still be in caves and spend most of our time outside yet we mm. spend 90 of our time indoors and we haven't appreciated how that lifestyle within the building let alone the building itself is impacting us um and it's that disconnect that causes a lot of the mental and physical issues and what building health tries to do as a concept is is reconnect us with our our natural state. I mm. mean, in its fundamental form, it's that it's that simple. And I suppose humans being 
lazy and 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 hate <laughs> not hating but but we can be as a species reluctant to change uh if somebody says you can work from home 100% 90% 80% 50% whatever it is of the time then i suppose you, you, the the first thought if you're that way inclined is oh fantastic i get to stay at home a lot without thinking of i i know myself i can be in because I work from home majority of the time. I can be in a room or at least uh, in the house. It could be nearly a hundred percent of those twenty-four hours. You know, it, less than ninety percent. I might walk somewhere, but it's certainly not enough time to be outside. And the impact that if this building wasn't fantastic could have on me is is, is massive. And we might not consider that because we're focusing on the work part of things. Well, absolutely, and. And it's it's about how that room performs to help you. So it is in terms of mm. what your air quality is like, what your furnishings, your fixtures and fittings, what you know, how many chemicals are leaching out of those into your air, how well ventilated your room is, how much natural light is coming in. You know, we start to look at those because all of those impact us. We are again, if we bring it back to the fact that we are animals, essentially, you know, we're, we're natural mm. beings that are responding, are programmed to respond to the natural environment. If you take us away from that, that is going to have a, a huge impact on, on how our brain functions, how our body functions. So it's yeah. making rooms, we mitigate the impact of the rooms that we're just not designed to be in. And particularly because the pace of change has, has been so rapid, we can't evolve at that speed. So there's just mm. no way we are able to catch up with what changes we're having in terms of the blue light from screens and the fact that we live sedentary lies for those of us who work in in office sectors you know there's an awful lot of people out there you know particularly construction who are on their feet and they're out and about and that's fantastic and it's almost celebrating that and not trying to get people just sat in a room because actually that's fundamentally going to undermine our well-being so yeah we, we need to think about all of these things and and the thing that I love most about the concept of building health is when you talk about it to the uninitiated, it's a bit like, no, I haven't heard of that. Of course not. Mm. It's not a problem. And when you discuss it, everyone's like, but that, that's common sense. It's like, yes, it is. <laughs> but we don't do it. You know, we don't yeah. think about it in a strategic way. And then and it's, it's really straightforward as a concept. And once you apply it, you're like, oh, okay. And a lot of people will go, do you know, I feel better when I've, you know, I've had a walk, but they don't understand why. I feel better when I work next to the window with the natural light, but they don't understand mm. why. Piecing those bits together to help people empower them to make the right decisions with sort of space planning or how they work from home, where they work from home. It's just, yeah, making them understand how their, their physiology and the neurology works mm. to the sure that we're mitigating the fact that we are inside for 90 percent of the time yeah it, it, it cogs are going now in 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 my brain in terms of the way we actually build buildings and, and who they're actually for and you know whether they just they, they look nice architecturally and, and they're very different and standoutish or whether they're actually made for us to be to, to work at our maximum capacity and i don't mean work from a looking at a screen whatever you do in in life um to get a, a, as close to 100% out of you as, as, as possible, um, which, which is really interesting. You start to see buildings very differently, um, which is cool. Yeah, so, so I can... 
built for the vanity of the architect, how many are built mm -hmm. because that's the space that you've got to squeeze something in. I mean, increasingly with things like the well standard and fit well in America and let's say Briam, new builds are starting to be built in this way. It is, yeah. as I said earlier, it, it's quite expensive at the moment, mm -hmm. but these, these, these early, relatively early initiatives always are that the hope yeah. is that in five, 10 years time, this is the norm. You know, mm -hmm. I, I remember listening to um, a, a fabulous lady speak about uh, sustainability she's a, a leading sustainability consultant down in London. And someone asked her, you know, what, what she hopes to see in five years time. She said, I want to be out of a job because people are doing <laughs> it anyway. That's kind of how I feel about building health. You know, at some point I don't want to be employed yeah. in that because it's just standard. But at the same time, it, it feels the preserve of new builds. And actually you mm -hmm. can retrofit, you can easily adapt your space currently using building health principles so that's the joy of it it doesn't have to be expensive it doesn't have to be onerous there's so many quick mm -hmm. wins you can have with it and and i think that's what's exciting about it is when people come over to the light side and go oh, okay i'll get it now it is literally the light side and it's it's great and it makes what i also like about it is the research helps prove the business case so it's not okay. Talking from possibly a, a more mercenary standpoint, for, you know, the, the business mm -hmm. leaders among us, the, the the evidence for how it improves performance is there. So it's not about, oh, I'm spending all this money and I'm just focusing on health, health and well-being, ticking a box, if that's how you feel. But actually, yeah. we, all know, we all know anyway that if people are feeling better mentally and physically, they will just perform better as humans and therefore that will translate mm -hmm. to performance. But the statistics are there to back up how you know the sort of improvements you can get by by putting building health in i mean there's um productivity if if the room is too hot or too cold and yes there are personal differences in there but yeah. within a range you can lose productivity 15 percent <laughs> just by tweaking the radiator one or two degrees can have a huge impact not just on your energy efficiency so your sustainability mm -hmm. the costs of that and the performance of your staff it's the same with air quality and reducing chemicals. It's about, you know, natural light. If you don't have enough natural light, your, excuse me, probability of, of developing depression goes up by 70%. So when we're thinking about absenteeism and the impact of that on, on your turnover, of, of how your business operates, all of a sudden it becomes a really important fundamental delivery of how you're operating your building mm. to reduce probability to make sure that you get the best out of your staff and you also have a moral I, obligation it's a diff different argument in the business case you know pure finance uh, yeah. stack up but that, that's how i see almost it's never as simple as that but uh, good good business bad business from an employee employee perspective it's that it's not seen as you know i've worked in construction the majority of my, my career and you know I, i've been in multiple uh businesses you know and, and some of them it's you could you could get in early and and but if you go early it's like oh you're finishing early you're not busy uh and and or, or you work late it's like, oh he's working hard and stuff like that yet they don't take that time to highlight or or allow you to work at, at your best um, in the best conditions it's all about here's a screen i want you to work all these hours and it's a bit clock watchy 
you know, whereas if you step away from that and say, okay, how can we get the best out of this person? Right. Well, they need this to, to operate. They need that to operate or whatever it is. Uh, like you said, you can get a lot more out of them than it, 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 in, I'm not going to say mill type operation, but if you're looking at the clock and, uh, and, and, and saying, Oh no, you're finishing at four, not five. Ooh, it's a bit, I, you know, I, you better. I think that's one of the bonuses that we had of COVID, if I'm allowed to say that from a working, from making mm. us understand how people work, because one of the fundamentals of building health is about personalization because your sort of thermal comfort levels will be different to mine. You know, yeah. age, sex, we, it all impacts on, on that, you know, uh, in terms of lighting preferences. Mm. We're all different. And what we can't do is provide buildings that tick what every single person yeah. needs, but by zoning, by actually understanding what your staff need, then you can start to meet them. And even just attempting to meet them makes you a better employer. Your staff will respond as a whole more positively to that. And because they respond positively, they'll be more motivated. And then hopefully that will, you know, result in better performance. It, mm. It's about, it's just about maximizing what that human can do for themselves. And if you're a good employer, that will naturally translate into wanting to do well for you at work. Um, you know, yeah, that the the more mercenary only bottom line focus will go great. I could, that will help me get more, you know, more turnover because they'll work better. Well, yeah, it will. But over and above that, from a, an ESG perspective, it's that holistic, sort of sustainable approach of the human being. <laughs> if mm. their, their health and well being mentally and physically is optimized, then they're just going to enjoy life more they're going to be happier at work they're going to perform better for you at work but also for themselves as the you know yeah. with, their family, with their friends just just how they are and i it's such an easy thing to do relatively mm -hmm. um but it never gets considered i work with a, a company absolutely amazing they hugely committed to health and well-being they spent a fortune and uh, and a long period of time putting together a really good health and well-being program for their staff. They got their staff engaged. It, it was so genuine. It was brilliant. Their office was fighting against absolutely every single thing they were trying to achieve. You know, the, the, the lighting wasn't right. The heating didn't really work. People didn't know where the light switches were. The ventilation wasn't working properly. There was so much because it was so open plan. The noise was so distracting for quite a lot of people. They hadn't checked people's working preferences. There were no quiet zones. There were no meeting rooms for or meeting areas for staff. They had to only mm -hmm. use client meeting rooms if they were available, and they kind of never were. There's all these different things that are actively fighting against all the excellent work that they were trying to do in terms of looking after their staff because they hadn't mm -hmm. considered how the building affects it. And, you know, we've now changed quite a few things in it, and it's so much better. And that's what breaks my heart when you've got companies so committed who then just need that final piece of the jigsaw, which is the building itself, to yeah. really help. Uh, speak, speaking of that, you know, we've, we've touched upon uh, a few of the standards or, or, or accreditations, and, and there seems to be a fair few. Uh, one article cited that the LED or LEED uh certified buildings produce around about 34 percent lower co2 emissions consume 25 percent less energy and 11 percent less water 
And there are others that you've mentioned, like uh, Briam and Well, uh, the Living Building Challenge, DGNB, Active House, things things like that. So, so you know, we've spoken about um, kind of the obvious and and how it can help and impact businesses. But what's your your process for changing uh, a physical working environment and, and, and the building itself? Um, so yeah, looking at existing buildings. Um, yeah. Um, I follow the foundations of a healthy building from Harvard. So it, this is, isn't a, a certified or standard like um, well, fit well. Um, but I really like it because it's a nice, straightforward process for, for the smaller companies I work with to, to be able to access. So the first thing you do is look at where they are and do an audit of what's happening right now. Because actually not all spaces are bad. So it's always important to highlight what they're doing well already, whether they do it consciously or not. Let's start with what's working and explain that. And then it's about going around and doing an audit of the space, looking at all the different foundations. So water quality, air quality, natural light, noise levels, dust and cleaning. Um, I also look at biophilia and active design on top of that because mm -hmm. they're really parts of building health. So go around and do an audit. And then also um, ideally do preference surveys as well and employee perception surveys find out how they feel about the building find out about what their own personal preferences are and then you can start to put it together about what's missing what's already there what little tweaks can we do in terms of quick wins no cost all the way up to capital spend um we do uh, uh air quality monitoring so we're looking at co2 levels pm particle matter levels so to have a look at that we had one where um, they just had their um, HVAC system um, uh, cleaned out, but it actually one of them wasn't performing well, and we could tell that from the air monitoring. So that was really helpful to be able to go back because otherwise you wouldn't know. Um, and the, the the PM levels were sort of off the chart. And we're like, okay, this is this is not good. So that that's really helpful because otherwise, and you know, nothing against the contractor, they think they've done what they needed to do. And so having this little monitoring is just really helpful to just make sure mm -hmm. everything is working it should and that's great and then the idea is is to match the worker preferences with any sort of space planning changes that you need things like um quite a lot of offices in particular will have you know the, the wide um down lighting even though it might be led which is brilliant from an energy efficiency perspective mm. i personally i don't know about you lots of people listening to this really benefit from more di directed light so it's like, actually, yeah. if you give people desk lamps, if you can, then maybe you don't have to have all the overheads on because later on at night, particularly when it, particularly now, it's sort of mid-afternoon, it starts to get a bit dusky. I'm actually happy with the main overlights off and a more targeted light. So That's let's cool. do that. Um, you know, it's cheaper and it means that I'm going to be more productive because I'm working better because I've got that. It's about then starting to see, okay, well, we do have a range of preferences in terms of we need to create a quiet space for people to concentrate. We need like a lovely social hub where people can go and be creative and brainstorm and do all that stuff together. Um, and it quite often is just tweaking what people have already got. I know an awful lot of businesses who you walk in the room and you're like, okay, so none of your desks are near the windows. <laughs> so we've got all this artificial light which is playing havoc it might be led brilliant from from a sustainability <laughs> perspective but if we could move people nearer the window that would be great so again that's probably not costing much really just a quick mm. you know, 
layout of the desk. So it's really marrying how the building's performing right now with what people need and seeing how we can most cost effectively put it all put it all together. I mean, one of my big things is about active design because actually quite a lot of buildings and, and offices are spread out or, or laid out so that people don't move. And we need people to move. And we need to be explaining why people need to move. This is a fabulous book um, I always reference called Primate Change. And the, possibly the, the most terrifying statistic in that book was that people in their mid-40s who sit for about six to seven hours a day on average will reduce their life expectancy by about six to eight years. Wow. So, right. Okay. So from a building health perspective, what are you doing? Because again, humans generally inherently lazy, I find. So, mm -hmm. you know, how can we create that mindset change? How many meetings can you have where you go for a walk instead? If the weather's nice, not whether it's pouring with rain, but actually, can we do that? I know people have standing desks and that's great. Maybe give people the option if they want to do that, even for one meeting. Um, it's, you know, whereabouts are things that you can encourage people not to take the lift and take the step. You know, there's a lot of behavioral change required when you come to certain aspects of building health as well. But it, the, the yeah. process is, is lovely and straightforward and hopefully a really positive one because you're just always bringing people back to where they should be as a natural state. And it shouldn't be expensive. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And, and we've both mentioned it, the humans are lazy kind of thing. And, and if you give them a desk to sit at for seven, eight hours a day, they, they probably will because that's your the easiest thing, least path of resistance. That's your go-to. Traditionally, that's how we've seen an office or an office space. But, you know, I, I've got a stand-up desk and I, I love nothing more than than, than utilizing it as, as much as possible, you know, as, as much as my body will, will, will let me. Um, but yeah, I, I just love the fact that it's simple changes, you know, simple changes, but it, it, it's almost like you never know until you know. And and I think that's what you bring very well is that, you that what you're highlighting like. these things. Yeah. And, and it's about, I mean, obviously I'm a sustainability and building health consultant because the two are, are mm -hmm. beautifully symbiotic. Uh, mm. You know, it's taking that natural passive approach as much as possible. We're not saying if your ventilation's poor, you can't put in mechanical ventilation. But actually, building health is coming from the point of how do we use what's naturally around us as the main starting point and as much as possible. So how can we maximize cross ventilation? Because that's the cheapest, best ventilation you're going to get. If you're fortunate enough, you might not feel it, but to work in a Georgian building that has sash windows, do you know how to use your sash windows properly to maximize the ventilation? Most of the time, sash windows, we just open the bottom, but they're designed to open top and bottom so that the air circulates better. That's going to help with your thermal comfort. That's going to be far cheaper. You don't need necessarily to be ex um, ex to be spending a huge amount of money on, on mechanical systems. They have their place, absolutely. Um, mm. There's a lot of, of offices that probably can't use cross-ventilation, but there's probably a lot that have not even thought about it. So it's sort of like if you're space planning and you're retrofitting uh, an office, you're having an office fit out, where are you putting your partitions so that you don't block cross-ventilation opportunities? You, know, you start to think about those as they go in as well. So it, it's really simple and it, it can be as expensive as you want to make it, but I am a firm believer that it shouldn't be expensive at all. 
Okay, uh, excellent. So let's. I'm, I'm going to get a bit more complex here. I'm going to add a few things into the mix to to to, to test your knowledge, skills, and abilities. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, <clears throat> um, according to the Centre of Aging Better, 21% of of homes in the UK were built in 1919, 38% before 1946, and only 7% after the year 2000. I think those percentages might fluctuate dependent on your resources. Commercial buildings also have a lifespan of about 65 to 100 years. So those that were built a while ago still exist and, and are up and, and running. If this shows us anything, it's the fact that we have a very diverse building stock in, in the UK. And this can pose many problems. But one of the first problems, because of the diversity, it means any type of retrofitting is more bespoke rather than mass produced. So how does the, the building age, the style, the type, uh, impact building health and remodeling the different spaces that we that we need that will help us. I think you use the word bespoke. It's that hmm. it's it's that simple. Everything should be bespoke. I think it's it's hmm. taking into account context and nuance that I think sometimes, particularly in construction, because my other hat is I'm a landlord of forty thousand square foot of Grade Two listed eighteen fifty four building. You know and if we can't carbon copy it and do it quickly and mass produce it, we don't like it anymore. But actually, we can learn so much from different buildings of different ages and how they perform. I've just referenced the Georgian sash windows. You know, mm. there's so much brilliant passive design in older buildings. And I think, you know, I'm not an architect, but I do not appreciate these sort of shorter squatter buildings and office spaces particularly of the 80s the 70s 80s 90s where it was feels like so squashed in and low ceilings and outex walls and just a disaster from a building health perspective basically whereas you look at really modern day buildings that are coming through now they are coming through with building health principles built in natural light how do we maximize thermal comfort although some i think are too glazed and rely on mechanical but still it's, it's there in principle i think older buildings i mean our building's over 150 years old so i balk at this comment that a sustainable building is one that lasts 60 years i that's a whole different conversation and frankly ridiculous why are we only <laughs> that? different podcast um i should get off my soapbox because <laughs> no no <laughs> our building is uh, as a Victorian built building is triple brick construction. It's got mostly metal frames, single glazed, and we had to replace quite a lot. We've just refurbished the facade of it to make sure that it works from a fabric perspective to then do the uh, decarbonisation uh, measures internally. And the the listed uh, single pane glazing that's original performs better than the modern equivalent that we had to try and match it with. No because way. they just did things better. <laughs> and <laughs> it performed better. And we because we are using the burnt mastic to seal the windows, it allows the building to still, I know we're not really supposed to use breathe, but breathe, that there's that natural permeability that allows the natural ventilation in the building. So you don't get the buildup of mold and moisture and condensation that you do in more modern buildings not necessarily the ones we're building right now but again those 80s 90s buildings so yeah. i think it's a bit of a fallacy to look at older buildings particularly and go oh you know they're quite problematic actually they teach us so much about building health 
because whether it was a, a deliberate view for the health of whoever was in it or it was trying to maximize what they could get out of the occupants the way an awful lot of older buildings were built were along building health principles you've got high ceiling so you've got better movement of air you've got the ability for cross ventilation you've got natural light streaming through they were using natural products you know we use so many synthetic products right now mm -hmm. uh, and we have done sort of for the last 40 odd years they are poisoning the air that we breathe that the vocs the volatile organic compounds in so many products carpet tiles paint you know that the furnishings you have that you bring in because of the fire retardants they're all off gassing and they're all putting those and they go in the air that you breathe and that triggers asthma bronchitis it's uh, certain VOCs are linked to certain cancers. You know, so actually we look at, we go back to your point about everything needing to be bespoke, That that's as it should be. But actually mm -hmm. building health needs in older buildings are far less than they are in newer buildings because they were inherently constructed far more healthily than we have over the last 40, 50 years. And I, that's, you know, I am slightly biased because I've been brought up with this gorgeous building that we have. <laughs> but, <laughs> My, my love and understanding of building health was that actually if you mm. build incorrectly at start with these principles either in mind or subconsciously, then you're onto a winner kind of before you started. But it doesn't preclude retrofitting what you've got. But, you know, I, I don't see any issue with the type of building. I think it just demonstrates how much more you have to adapt and mitigate so I think older buildings mm -hmm. have less effort. The 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 ones, yeah, sort of the last 30, 40 years, I think are the ones that need a bit more help to, you know, maybe take out the false ceilings and take it all back to the brickwork if if the brickwork's sound enough to let it breathe, because it should breathe. Mm. You know, we, we went through a phase of hermetically sealing people in boxes and wondering why they're ill. It's like, well, because you're not ventilating the room. Mm. And then you have of outside air being outside air, not fresher. So again, it's not just always what the building is in terms of age, but where it's located. So there's all these different factors, but I think I age is not a barrier for buildings as well as humans. That's that's how I feel about it. <laughs> and and it sounds like you can learn a lot from the older type of buildings in terms of like just the the. The windows um, that you, you you mentioned earlier, you know, it, it didn't even occur to me that if you open the top and the bottom, it's better ventilation. You know, it's just things like that that we can learn quite a lot from older buildings that can help us build into the future. I I think so. I mean, again, you know, hands up, I'm completely biased. I do think there's a, not snobbery, that's the wrong word, but there's a almost a feeling that, you know, because it's old, you know, it, oh, they didn't really have the technology then and they didn't know. But actually, if you look mm. at, and not an architect but if you look at more the passive house measures you look at we're coming back to the principles that the victorians and the georgians had when they built their buildings now not mm -hmm. every victorian and georgian building is fabulous and needs to be you know used as as an exemplar you know some of them mm -hmm. weren't great at all but generally speaking the principles they used are the ones we're shouting about now going wow look at us aren't we great it's like we're just reinventing the wheel there's nothing really new here in terms of the principles, how we deliver it might be quicker. There'll be fewer deaths and injuries of building things and things like that. But actually, it's nothing new, really. Hmm. We're, I think we're always quite 
quick to self-congratulate, but the fundamentals of, of building house and having your building constructed to look after who's in it has been around for hundreds of years. Oh, I was just about to say, yeah, it's, it's that new shiny thing, isn't it? It's always yeah. new, newer is is seen as better, you know, uh, and and it goes through cycles. But I think we've seen with with um, upcycling or recycling and and um, charity shops and things like that that you know secondhand isn't a a, a bad thing, um, and I suppose that it links to the the building. It's like not all new buildings technically are as good as the old buildings the old building could just need a bit of tlc and it works more efficiently than this new building so the the architects journal did their campaign about this the greenest building is one that already exists and i very uh, much well. building health onto that to a degree because you know for all the reasons we've just said you know actually we learn an awful lot from older buildings we learn what not to do as well you know i'm not saying mm. they are absolutely brilliant and and we should follow absolutely everything because no they're not mm-hmm. but again tying building health in with sustainability you know just just things like when we think about fixtures and fittings and, and furnishings because that's a, a big part of the air quality side of, of building health you know they used to have wing back chairs not because they look fabulous but to stop the draft you know nowadays we put the heating up and then complain we're paying so much but actually if we think back in the olden days you know they they dressed appropriately for the weather and their furnishings understood that. So you would have high wing back chairs by the fire because mm-hmm. that stopped the draft. It kept the heat in and it was more localized. And that's what we're doing building health as principles now is, you know, do you need masses amount of heating on? Your heating needs will be totally different to mine, particularly when, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a little bit older and I've got my own personal radiator walking around with me all the time. I don't, you know, I might be there going, can you turn the aircon up, down? Everyone's different. So why not plan? Yeah. I know when one of the biggest complaints for people is lack of thermal comfort in a workplace because mm. we've all got our own and it's finding that Goldilocks zone individually, but not being too hot, too cold, but it's just right for you. And you're never going to, you're never going to manage that a hundred percent, but why not try to make it better? So if you're, mm-hmm really hot you can go and sit by the open window because you've got natural ventilation coming in if you're a bit colder why not supply people with hot water bottles does it really matter yeah. that you're doing that now? why do we need the heating on for everybody you boys are always in shorts whatever the weather it's crazy but you know let's let's work with those individual preferences for what people need it's cheaper it's mm-hmm. more sustainable and it'll make people perform better and and those principles stem right back from how we used to be using our buildings you know 100 years 200 years ago i'm on my soapbox now <laughs> <laughs> no that's, that, that's brilliant so let's let, let's finish up with with looking at, at, at technology so you know we've spoken about older buildings and new buildings and how we build them and how we have built them and look into the future but in in, in your line of work what is there any technology that's that's change the way you work or helping you or facilitating the way you work better? Um, Sort of the only really tech I need are the um, air quality monitoring. (laughs) They're vital because that's the bits we can't see. Um, And, you know, the the nitrous oxide, carbon dioxide, the the PM matters, uh, 2.5 and 10, to just demonstrate that invisibility of what we're breathing in. Um, 
that really helps. Uh, other yeah. than that, it's it's really low key. I mean, the technology can support measures, you know, the, the more capital intensive measures that we might want to bring in. But actually, that again, that's the joy of, of building health is it doesn't need to be difficult, but you, you couldn't do it properly without that monitoring equipment. That's vital. Mm -hmm. But nothing yeah. else. Um, again, in terms of recommending measures, you've got your, your tech in terms of lighting, app-controlled heating, lighting is vital now. If, if you want to go that high end, the different types mm. of lighting, it doesn't trigger um, neurodiverse um, concerns, for instance, is, is brilliant in terms of personalizing and providing that bespoke environment. Um, and again, that is, is up to budgets and how far people want to go. And the technology is very much there to support people on that. But in terms of the delivery of it, air monitors, air quality monitors is, is, is for me, I don't want to be bamboozling people. I don't want to be making yeah. it, it needs to be accessible. I would like people to evangelize about this so that, you know, in 10 years time, I don't have that job, but that's what I, you know, that's the aim. And I think sometimes the reliance on tech makes it a bit prohibitive. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's that's seen right across construction in a way. And but partly why I do this this podcast. But another reason I do it is to talk to people that are hugely passionate and excited about what they do in the industry, regardless of what that may be. And Becky, you're certainly one of those people um you know you, you, you can tell your you keep saying you've said soapbox three or four times but it's not soapbox i just see it as, as as passion coming out and and you want people to know this stuff because it's important and you've got a huge passion for that which is commendable and absolutely fantastic to to, to speak to anybody with that passion so I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation thank you so much for coming on i've learned a hell of a lot in terms of building health even though as you said, isn't that obvious? Yeah, yeah, it kind of feels obvious, but it isn't until someone like you points out. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for the invite. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day and giving this a listen. If you want to chat further about anything you've heard on today's episode, have a topic or technology you'd like me to cover, or simply want to say, hiya, You'll find me on LinkedIn or through the emails, peter at builddifferent.marketing. Stay disruptive.